Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, live from the warehouse, 1825 South and 300 West. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. It's time for your daily assist, brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, leesheatac.com, or give them a call today, 801-747-LEES. Let's jump out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us now, our good friend Howard Beck. Howard, happy Friday. How are you? Happy Friday, guys. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon to you. Uh, let's start out with the with the Jazz a little bit with you, Howard. Gordon and I have spent the last couple of days kind of trying to digest this season and determine uh, success or no and what worked and what didn't. Give us kind of your take overall on how the Jazz did this year. Yeah, you know, look, I mean, on, on some level, maybe it's a disappointment because, you know, you, you hope when you've got a young core that each year is kind of pushing a little bit further forward that you're going to have that breakthrough that you're you know you're, you're going to have you know first uh, certainly to get out of the first round and then have a nice competitive second round series and see where that goes but um you know you guys know all the built-in challenges they were facing without bogdanovich and still trying to get uh you know these guys in sync with each other and you know playing a, a team in, in in denver that was just incredibly deep and had a lot of different options and you know um i i don't i don't think it should be considered a disappointment i i think you know these things are never linear you don't you know get a young core together have them grow and then boom you know one year first round next year second round next year conference finals and you're or you're a contender um sometimes it's it's a couple steps forward and a step back i think the encouraging part two things both to do with donovan mitchell one i think we saw further growth from him and i thought you know it was just it was just you know look it was a blast this, and this is the basketball the, the part where basketball bleeds in entertainment it was a blast watching him and jamal murray go you know basket for basket and and just put up these these crazy numbers and and just compete hard at a high level and in an entertaining way um and he made progress he developed to get you know as, as a player and the second piece is the indication from Chris Haynes' report in Yahoo the other day is that he intends to sign the max extension, which shouldn't be a surprise. Almost every rookie who's offered a max extension uh, takes it. It's rare not to. Not a rookie, but on the rookie deal. Everybody takes that extension off the rookie deal. Um, and so you've got some stability there. And then, you know, you, you hope that things are good enough between him and Gobert that that subsides and you keep them together and, and you try to keep building around them. But that's easier said than done, you know, in, in, in a league where – Obviously, there's a cap and a luxury tax and all the uncertainties about the cap and the tax levels because of the pandemic and the, the, the league needing to come to, to grips with, uh, you know, the, the revenue shortfalls. You don't know how much flexibility they'll actually have. So that, that's the tough part. They're in a, they're in a really, really good, strong position. The, 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 the key thing, the hard thing is breaking through to the next level. Howard, one of the really interesting things to me about that particular series uh, that Jazz and the Nuggets 
was it almost looked to me like it was two different series. At one point, the Nuggets were watching what Donovan Mitchell was doing, and it was almost as though they mirrored that with Jamal Murray later on. They went away from their two-man game and their pick-and-roll a little bit, and they were just giving the ball to Jamal Murray, and that's what the Jazz had sort of been doing with Donovan Mitchell. So it became a, a reflection of itself. Which is interesting, too, because the strength of the Nuggets has been, aside from the fact that Jokic is just this incredibly gifted and versatile big man, but their 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 strength the last couple of years has been, you know, kind of a strength in numbers approach, an ensemble approach, where it's not Jamal Murray going for 30 or 50. Um, it's Jamal Murray putting up 18 or 20 and Gary Harris pitching in 16 or 18 and Will Barton, uh, Millsap, Jokic. And, and, you know, that's their strength is that they just have – you know, a really great deep rotation and that they suddenly became the Jamal Murray show for a few games there. Uh, you're right. That's a great observation. I mean, it was, it was a deviation from their, their character, but it was effective. And I think they have, uh, they've unlocked something there, which, you know, look, they couldn't replicate it last night against the Clippers. We'll see what they can do with a couple more days of rest. Um, I think they were probably just gassed, but, yeah, the, the Nuggets have been and remain a very interesting team, a really a really deep team. And if Michael Porter Jr. can replicate some of what he was doing in the seeding games <clears throat> and become, you know, the third wheel there, well, then now now the Nuggets really have something. Howard, we've asked you a lot this season about Mike Conley. He's been a major story around here, as you know. But I put this to Gordon in the last segment, and I'll I'll put it to you, you know, plain and simple. Is Mike a good fit for this Jazz team? Uh, I think we've seen at times that he could be. I think that I'm not, I'm less concerned about fit. Well, maybe it's equal. It's partial fit and partial health and just age and mileage. Um, you never get a forewarning necessarily when, a, when a, an all-star type player all of a sudden loses it because of the age and the mileage and it just catches up. It's just suddenly one day you just can't get by anybody anymore and you don't have the separation ability, and you can't stay in front of guys as well. And so I, I worry for, for Conley that, that the age and the mileage and the injuries are, are piling up and that, you know, you don't know how much more the Jazz will get out of him. But, you know, look, the fit part is, is, is relevant too. If Donovan Mitchell is going to be more in the mold of, you know, and this is not a direct analogy, but, you know, the, the Hardens and Westbrooks and Luka Doncic's and, and the Trey Youngs, like the, this this – style of offense where you just you have a guard who is incredible with the ball in their hands or a wing and you just say you're 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 everything you you dictate every possession you're either shooting or you're passing for the for the basket but you're going to dominate the ball and that is a lot of today's nba and if donovan mitchell is going to be more in that role then it certainly devalues what mike conley brought to the table in the first place now he can still bring defense and great spot of shooting and leadership but as a as a more traditional point guard um I, I don't know if he's the right fit and you know maybe they can find the balance between them or maybe you know what maybe you move off of him maybe maybe in retooling this offseason maybe there's a better fit for him somewhere else and you bring back you know just a a, a spot up shooter type or um you know a versatile big um, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting question for them this offseason. One of the concerns Jake brings up is that uh, Mike is not the, the tallest point guard in the world. 
and yeah. uh, that Jazz guard line, you know, Donovan Mitchell six one and Conley whatever he is six foot or whatever, that that puts the Jazz a little bit of disadvantage at the defensive end. Uh, but I wanted to, Howard, I've asked you this about this before, but it's something that's really on our minds these days around these parts, and it's this. If Rudy Gobert comes to the Jazz and says, fellas, I want the Supermax, what would your reaction be if you were sitting in that seat? I think, you know, listen, from a, from a negotiating standpoint, of course you're not just going to say, sure, here you go, and, and hand it over. Um, you try, obviously, from, from just a, a, a cap management standpoint and just being – as wise about your resources as you can, I think you, you, you try to, to come up short of that and still find a deal that works for him. But if the question is really about do you want him long-term at a large number, forget whether it's super max, max, any kind of whatever, if it's more just about do you want him at a big number long-term or not, I think you still re-sign him. You, you, you keep him because there's only so many guys who can do what he can do in this league and – I've said this about the Sixers before. I've said this about some other teams. If you've got two guys who are in the top, whatever, top twenty, top twenty-five, wherever you, uh, you know, wherever Mitchell and Gobert fall in, in the in the you know the rankings, it's hard to get those guys. And you know, and in Mitchell's case, he has the, the chance to keep climbing. So you you don't uh, you don't you don't you don't take that lightly, and you don't take it for granted and break them up prematurely, whether it's about them or whether it's about cap whatever you do what you can to keep them together because you know Gobert is, is what made them a a formidable team because he his presence alone meant the jazz would be perennially one of the top defenses in the nba and then mitchell brought the dynamism to the offense to go with it and so you need both um and if you were going to decline uh, any kind of extension to to go if you were going to say that you're, you know you're not you're not a part of our future anymore. Well, all right, what are you getting for him in return? Because, you know, look, clearly he's, he would have great value out there. You, I, I'm sure if they decided to go down that road, trade-wise, I, I think you could get great value in return. But you're going to be a fundamentally different team, <clears throat> especially defensively, without him. And, and that's, you know, again, you, you, don't, you don't take it for granted when you've got guys of his caliber. How, <clears throat> excuse me, Howard Beck with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Switching gears a little bit, Howard. Uh, the, the Rockets have gone all in on the small ball, and now they're going up against the Lakers, who are uh, just a giant team. How is, how is this going to play out? What needs to happen for Houston to have a chance in this series? Well, they don't. Um, <laughs> this, this, they're going to lose in five, um, and, and then there will be uh, – you know, fireworks and consequences because um, that's what happens. Um, I, I have very little faith in them. Uh, the, you know, the fact that they needed down to the last seconds of Game Seven against the Thunder, a team that, granted, had a really good season, but wasn't even supposed to be in the playoffs based on everybody's preseason prognostications. And, and granted, that means everybody was just wrong. But um, it's not like the Thunder were were this really deep, talented team. I mean, they're they're a good, solid team, but. You know, I, I just I, – nothing I saw in that series from the Rockets uh, made me move off of my belief that it was a flawed construction from to, from the beginning, that Harden and Westbrook are, are not the best complements to each other, that, you know, you know the small ball is, is only one piece of this. 
And but the small ball will come into play more, as you point out, against the giant Lakers team where you've got one of the best players in the, in the NBA in, in Anthony Davis that they're going to have to contend with. And you do have guys also who, you know, look, no one is necessarily building a game plan around stopping JaVale McGee or, or Dwight Howard at this stage of Dwight Howard's career. But those guys are both formidable going to the basket, and they're big, strong players. And the Lakers have more depth in the front court, too. And, and that's the other thing with the Rockets. It's not just that they went small ball. There's, there's certain advantages to that and a, and a rationale to it. But past their, their, their you know, pseudo-bigs, past you know, Covington and Tucker, there's, there's really nobody else who can fill in that role when those guys are on the bench. And the Lakers have a wealth of, of options there. So uh, I think that's going to hurt them. I don't think they really have anybody to throw at LeBron. The best that the Rockets can hope for is that the Lakers' weak backcourt, and it is, might be overwhelmed by, by the Westbrook-Harden tandem and that that's the way you're going to stay in it. But um, those guys are lower percentage shots than LeBron and Anthony Davis. Howard, I don't know about you, but every once in a while I'll ask myself, why do I do what I do? Why, 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 why am I doing this? <laughs> and I got, an, I got an answer last night as I'm watching that Toronto-Boston game. And uh, when, when you see that kind of competition, that kind of excitement, that kind of execution when it must be there, wow. I didn't even know you could get a jump shot off in half a second. Uh, that was something to see. Well, I was there in San Antonio for Derek Fisher's point four shot against the Spurs, um, which, interesting parallel, uh, quick tangent. Nobody remembers what happened before Derek Fisher hit the point four shot, which was that Tim Duncan hit this crazy, amazing falling to his left shot from about, I don't know, 16, 17 feet out or, or, or just a little behind maybe the free throw line. And Duncan hits this shot that, that switched with point four to set up that final play. And last night, <laughs> that incredible pass from Kemba Walker to set up uh, the dunk that, that put the, gave the Celtics what looked like the winning basket, and it's obliterated by one of the craziest and most amazing final shots of a, of a playoff game we've seen. That looping pass, which was just perfectly placed, and to get it over Taco Fall, and then, and then Ananobi hitting it, I mean... That was that was amazing. I, like I can't I can't watch enough replays of that. To your point, Gordon, like that was that that like that's why we do this for moments yeah. like that. Um, it was it was spectacular. That was that was just so much fun. And, and listen, I have so much respect for the Raptors. To to have to, to see them down three zero would have been just kind of sad. You know, I mean, you don't have to be a Raptors fan to feel like man, that's not what you want to see from defending champions. Um, so I'm glad it's a series now, and I'm glad we got to see that play. Howard Beck with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, might as well uh, round it out by asking you about the other uh, playoff series there in the East. Howard, Milwaukee trails Miami two games to none. Uh, are the Bucks not playing well? Or they has, has Miami figured something out? What's going on over in that series? I mean, we've probably discussed this at some point in the last couple of months, maybe even more than once, that I was never sold on the Bucks as the this, this heavy favorite that they were portrayed to be coming out of the East. And um, there are a variety of reasons for that, but uh, and, and, and on the flip side, I've been trying to talk up Miami the last couple of months. I thought that they were really good and had a shot. And um, when you've got Jimmy Butler, you've always got a shot, and we saw that in Game One. But they also the the, the Heat have a great ensemble approach where Butler could have a, a statistically quiet game too and, and still win. 
they, you know, look, Spolstra has, and he's an incredibly underrated coach. He was number two on my coach of the year ballot. Spolstra does a phenomenal job of getting guys to all buy in and of, of having that team always play tenaciously on defense. And so they, they weren't going to give anything up to Giannis. And I think they've done a great job, as the Raptors did last year, of kind of walling it off, making it tough for Giannis to get to the rack and force him to be more of a playmaker, challenge the rest of the Bucks to beat you. And the rest of that Bucks rotation is not all that intimidating. Chris Middleton's very good. He's an all-star, but he's not at that level of the typical number two on a championship-quality team. And, you know, Eric Bledsoe, we've seen him fade in the playoffs before. And then it's who else is really going to beat you? Brooke Lopez? Um, yeah, George Hill. I mean, they've got. I mean, these are good players, but it's it, it's not the kind of team that you really feel like you're you're constantly having to, you know, uh, adjust on the fly because this guy's going to beat you now. This guy's going to beat you on the next play. They're not built that way. They're really really reliant on Giannis, and if you can fluster him and make him inefficient, you have a shot. And, and the Heat have just done a great job. We'll see what happens uh, tonight. Howard, a uh, team that is in close proximity to you where you are, the Nets made the decision to hire Steve Nash. Your reaction to that? I mean, I think I had the same reaction as everybody initially, which was, what the heck? Like, where did they did not see that coming? And in this day and age, in this league, for nothing to leak is is astounding. Um, But, you know, I I think people knew that Nash eventually wanted to coach at some level, in some capacity, that it's now and this team, I mean, that, that's the part we didn't see coming. So it obviously came together, you know, pretty quickly. And you can, you can draw the lines. He and Sean Marks uh, were teammates briefly in, in Phoenix and their friends. Uh, he worked with Kevin Durant extensively as a consultant for the Warriors while Durant was with the Warriors. So there's a relationship there. And, there's a logic there. And, and look, as a two-time MVP who does have a little distance from the league, I think it's harder when you're Derek Fisher or Jason Kidd who went straight from, like, pulling off their jersey to coaching, it's tougher. Nash has been out of the game for several years now. He's worked as a consultant on the side. He's got a little distance and a little age. Um, and he is a two-time MVP who is, is uh, you know, was renowned as a player for how smart he was about the game and how well he orchestrated out there. And I think that that certainly gives him – uh, the, the the you know the, the right respect level from guys like Katie and Kyrie, so it makes sense. On the other hand, you know, look, did he skip the line? Yes. Have we seen that before? Yes. We saw it with, as I said, Fish and, and Jason Kidd with Doc Rivers back when he first went to Orlando with Steve Kerr when he took over the Warriors um, with Larry Bird a, a long time ago. So not everybody goes the assistant route, um, and it, there is some risk involved. You know, but there was some risk involved when the Warriors hired Steve Kerr. That turned out pretty well. And I don't think you can draw a direct analogy. Every situation is different. Every coach is different. But if, if, if the question is whether Steve Nash has the temperament and the, the knowledge, um, the ability to do this, I mean, I think he absolutely does. And he has the great advantage of, of walking into a team with a lot of talent. Some temperamental talent, but talent. <laughs> Howard, uh, thank you very much, as always, for jumping on with us. Be well and have a great weekend. Appreciate it, fellas. You too. Have a great one. Thanks, Howard. Our friend Howard Beck, your uh, daily assist right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.